Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, hello again. Hope you're doing well. And welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Evan Grote here behind the mic. Another week and another new show coming at you where we talk Las Vegas Raiders football. It's conference championship week in the NFL. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting two very good games. It was a sad week in my neck of the woods, though, with many Buffalonians upset and disappointed with the loss of their Buffalo Bills, who were eliminated last week in the divisional round game against the the Bengals. However, it does set up a rematch of last year's AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. And in the NFC, the 49ers make it two appearances in a row as well as they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. So it should be two really good games there on Sunday afternoon. Some of the most well-rounded rosters in the NFL will be on display in that in those two games. Elite quarterback play, weapons on offense, both teams, all four teams really. Strong offensive line play, very good defenses. And the, you know the Raiders could learn something. When you look at how those four teams were built, that is what the Raiders are striving to do, to build this thing up the right way, not just to be a one-hit wonder, have a one you know one season of the playoffs and then miss, but they're trying to build a consistent winner. And, and these are four very good models of how to get that done. Before we get underway here on the show, do me a favor, please, subscribe to the show. I would love to have you on board part of the Just Pod Baby Army. That's right. We're building an army here. I want you to be a part of it. You can also check me out on Twitter at egrope 5 Give me a follow there. Also, I've mentioned this in the past. I am a producer for SportsNot.com and Just Pod Baby is powered by SportsNot.com. Please head over to the website. See all of the work that is being done over there. We've got Lots of video interviews there available. We cover all kinds of sports, all the major sports, you name it, we cover it. We do have Raiders content as well. Some of my buddies, Mo Moten, he is a Raiders columnist there. Scott Gilbranson contributes as well. So there's a lot of good Raiders content available for you over at sportsnot.com as well. The Senior Bowl gets underway this week down in Mobile, Alabama. They say the draft starts in Mobile. Patrick Graham, I talked about it last week, is the head coach of the national team. And because of that, we do have a guest this week to help preview the Senior Bowl and also to help break down some of the quarterbacks that will be available in this year's draft. In segment two, we'll speak with Thor Nystrom, who is a college football and NFL draft analyst for fantasypros.com. So make sure you are tuned in for that conversation in a little bit. Now, let's jump right into it. Let's get it started here this week. I want to get it kicked off this week with some conversation, or rather some speculation, that hit the internet this week. And it has Raider Nation in a frenzy, a bit of a frenzy, I would say, 
Jeremy Fowler, senior NFL reporter for ESPN, put out a story on Tuesday afternoon. The title of that story was NFL Executive Predictions for the 2023 Season. Now, these are not his opinions. As an NFL insider, he speaks with a lot of different connected people throughout the league, from all across the league, and he hears different things. He has sources, and you know he, he again he he's he's connected, so he hears a lot of things that you and I uh, don't hear, and so based on the things that he has heard recently, he came up with um, some predictions from some of these executives that he has spoke to. Now, the first one being that Tom Brady, if he plays, if he does not retire, will sign with the Las Vegas Raiders. Nothing new there, right? We, we all, we've been well aware of this. It's been well discussed. We can all make that connection on our own. It's been talked about plenty since the end of the season. I still believe that Tom Brady is the best bridge option quarterback out there. If that's the route they decide to go in, I'd rather they don't go with Jimmy Garoppolo or a, or a, a Jacoby Brissett. I'd rather they don't go that route. It looks like now with the news that Nathaniel Hackett will be the offensive coordinator for the Jets, those of you hoping that maybe a trade for Aaron Rodgers was in the cards, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I guess anything is possible, but it does seem like the pieces are in place for a trade of Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay to the Jets. Uh, I'm sure you heard the comments by Woody Johnson this week as well. He made it clear he's willing to go out there and spend draft capital as well as a lot of money to bring a quarterback in. So if Rodgers is indeed to be traded, I would have to put the Jets at the top of that list. Now, getting back to Brady, this is my take on this. If it's not Tom Brady, or let's say he retires or or say, stays with the Buccaneers, I, I think Josh McDaniels has a problem on his hands. Because if it's not Tom Brady, then then who is it? You know, I've discussed my belief that that Josh McDaniels wants a, a veteran quarterback in place that is that is familiar with what he wants to do in offense. Now, I don't know the conversations that have gone on behind closed doors with owner Mark Davis. We don't know how long or short the leash is on McDaniels. Would it be okay with Mark Davis, the idea of going into this season, or next season I should say, with Jarrett Stidham as the starting quarterback? Possibly drafting a quarterback at pick seven? to develop, and then possibly having another losing season or a season where the Raiders finish 500, miss the playoffs. Does Josh McDaniels have that luxury of, of, of an owner that will be patient through the development of a young quarterback or a season with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback? I just don't know. I, I think it's... That's that's the, the question that we all kind of want to know the answer to right now. We know that McDaniels had Davis's support through the ups and downs this year, but how long will that last? How long will that last? And that's why, as of right now, I think it has to be Tom Brady. And, and then I think the first-round pick at pick seven, or if they decide to trade up, it has to be a quarterback to develop for the future. Now, the only other scenario that I could see is if Mark Davis has given the coach and the GM 
assurances that they'll be given time to rework the roster, to develop a young quarterback, that if, if, there, that if there is another down season, that they won't lose their job. So if they decide to go the route of a C.J. Stroud or a Will Levis, they'll be given that time to develop that quarterback and see what they have. But those are conversations that we're not privy to. And if those hot conversations have not yet occurred, I just find it very hard to believe that McDaniels would allow his head coaching career, possibly his last opportunity at a head coaching position, does he want to leave that in the hands of a rookie quarterback? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Now, as a fan, in my opinion, I I think Brady makes you more competitive right now. I know there's a lot of people out there who disagree. They think he's washed up. They think he's done. Obviously, you'd have to make some upgrades to the offensive line, but I think he makes you more competitive right now. But for how long? One year? Can you get one more good year out of Tom Brady? What kind of money would it take to get Brady to Vegas? Once you've convinced him that the roster is is up to par, is up to his liking. Would it be 25 or 30 million? You know, he's always been a, a guy who's been willing to take less. Would, would he do that in Las Vegas? Could that money be better spent on the offensive line or on the defense? You could make that argument. You could make that argument that you might be better off saving the money and, and, and spreading the wealth into other areas on the team. But will, will the fan base, will the fan base, will the owner be okay with another season missing the playoffs? It, it, now, it's no guarantee that they make the playoffs with Brady. But, you know, th- th- there's a lot to think about if you are Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Now, speaking of Dave Ziegler, I want to go back a few weeks and I want to dissect some comments that he made during a conversation or an interview, I should say, with with Raiders.com. I have the audio for you from that conversation. Let's listen to it now. We're going to listen to his philosophy on building the roster and what his message is to Raider Nation about being patient. Yeah, I mean, we came here to win, and and I think, um, but along with that, like we've said from, from the beginning, anytime you come somewhere new and you're taking over a, a new, uh, taking over an organization, you're new to the organization. There's an element of, especially in today's NFL, of yes, you want to win now. Um, but there's an, also an element of reconstructing what has been there or what's not there to fit your mold. And so, yes, there's going to be players coming and going. There's going to be um, some painful things that you have to go through because you can't correct every single hole or make every single player acquisition in one year. Uh, I wish you could, but those just aren't the realities of the NFL. And so, um, you know, we're going to continue to um, you know find players that that fit what we look for um, and continue to build this team in our vision. And I think we're going to, at the same time, our goal is to win football games. And our our goal for next year is to make an improvement over where we were this year. This year, we didn't meet the expectations, I think, that uh, we had for ourselves. But again, um, that's part of this process. And so I think Raider Nation should understand that we're here to win football games, first and foremost. And we're going to also, um, to do that, we're going to make acquisitions that are going to help us uh, win in the present. But we're always going to have a vision on how do we construct this thing long term because what we don't want to do is just catch lightning in a bottle and, and, and you win for one year and then 
um, you're, you're digging yourself out of that hole because you maybe weren't financially responsible or you made some, you know, made some decisions that weren't long-term decisions. And so we're always going to weigh both of those things against each other when we make decisions to build this team. So there you heard the comments from general manager Dave Ziegler, courtesy of Raiders.com. And, you know, the reason I played that for you is because I'm not sure if all of you have heard that uh, part of the conversation yet, but it relates not only to the quarterback conversation, but the entire roster as a whole, his philosophy and how he wants to build this roster, focusing on his comments uh, about wanting to win in the present, but keeping a vision on how to construct this thing long term. And that's why I have formed the opinion that it has to be Tom Brady, because certainly Tom Brady, in my opinion anyways, gives the Raiders a chance to be competitive now in the present while still being able to plan for the future, still building a defense in free agency, and using that first-round draft pick on a quarterback that you can develop so that when Brady finally walks away from the game for good, you'll have somebody that would have learned behind Brady, learned McDaniel's system, and then can step right in and hopefully hit the ground running. So that's just me kind of connecting the dots, listening to the things that the general manager is saying, and then forming my opinion on that matter. Now, I do want to stay with the story from Jeremy Fowler because there was one other uh, bit of information in that story that pertains to the Raiders. Um, this is according to people around the league again that that Fowler has spoken to. They expect Dave Ziegler to aggressively tweak the roster this year and even mention a couple of names that uh, teams are going to be keeping an eye on. Those two players that were named in the story, tight end Darren Waller and slot receiver Hunter Renfro, who both signed new deals last offseason with the Raiders and both dealt with with multiple injuries last year and were, were non-factors uh, in the offense. Both were, uh, they just weren't out there very much. And, and the story also mentions the words culture fits and McDaniels wanting to quote, bring in his own guys. Um, and you could argue, you could make the argument, why were extensions given in the first place if they weren't the type of guys that they wanted to, that, 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 that McDaniels and Ziegler want to build around. But it, but it sounds like it's possible that if the right offer is, is, is presented, Raiders Brass would at least entertain the conversation of a trade according to Jeremy Fowler's sources in this story. Now, I'm not at all surprised by the idea of training, uh, trading Darren Waller. I've mentioned it before on previous shows. His cap hit, his cap hit in 2023 is $12 million. That's a lot of money for a 31 year old tight end who's played in only 20 games in the past two seasons. 20 games. Now, he hasn't had a 100... I went and looked this up. He has not had a 100-yard receiving game since November 21st of 21, of the 21 season. So it's been a long time since he's had a real big game. Um, There were rumors of possibly Green Bay being interested in in acquiring Darren Waller uh, before the trade deadline this year. So it's possible that, you know, conversations like like this have been ongoing or been going on for some time now uh, in the Raiders front office. When he's healthy, and we're talking about Darren Waller right now, when he's healthy and when he's motivated and he's out there, the upside we know is, is huge with Darren Waller. We all know how good he is and how good he can be in, in the matchup issues that he presents. But as I said, he just can't stay on the field. 20 games played in the last two years combined. If they can get a second or third round pick for him, I believe it's time to move on. I really do. I believe it's time to move on from him. You never want to be a year uh, year or two 
you know, late when it comes to moving on from a player. And I think it's possible that that is the case here with Darren Waller. I think his better years are behind him. As far as Hunter Renfro is concerned, I, I don't know how he doesn't fit the criteria that any coach is looking for in a player. Think about the road to the NFL uh, for Hunter Renfro and where he is now. No, no scholarship offers out of high school. He was a walk-on at Clemson, became the star of the national championship game, catching the game-winning touchdown for Clemson, was a fifth-round draft pick, undersized, lacks uh, speed, but was still able, despite all of that, was still able to to manage 100 catches and 1,000 yards receiving and made some defensive backs look really, really foolish uh, at times in that 2021 season. Now, I just find it hard to believe that when the words culture fit are tossed around, how is Hunter Renfro not a culture fit? Who doesn't want a guy like Hunter Renfro around their locker room who works their butt off day in and day out, who is a team first kind of guy, great character, and when he's healthy, is is a pretty good weapon to have. So I would be surprised to see him moved, if, um, you know, if I'm being honest with you. All of this speculation um, that we heard from this Jeremy Fowler story led me to my Twitter question of the week. I started doing the Twitter question of the week last week. I put one out there again this week, and I, I do appreciate everyone who responded to the question. Here it is. Um, and I know that there's many variables to this question. It's kind of a hard question to give me a, a, an answer to, but you know, I'm hoping that you guys had some fun with it out there. I mean, number one, we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. So it's very difficult to analyze trades and it would it be a good move or a bad move or not. But anyhow, um, the question is, if if a trade was to happen, would you be okay with one or both of these players being traded and, and which one would you rather keep and why? So that was the question this week. I got a lot of good responses. Let, let's share some of those responses right now. I'm going to start with, I got a response from Chris L. His Twitter handle is at Coach Chris L. Uh, and Chris is down in Alabama. This is what Chris says. He says, it would be smart to move on from Renfro only assuming we can use his cap money to pay Josh Jacobs. Waller provides a bigger mismatch and is more explosive. So Chris is 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 okay with moving on from, from Renfro. Um, because he believes there's just more of an upside there with with Waller, and and it's hard to argue that. I do believe that that you know Waller is the the higher upside player. Um, I think we've seen the ceiling for Renfro with the hundred catch season, thousand yards. I don't know if he can get much better than that. Um, and I do like the idea of using any extra cap space that you have to try to uh, bring back. Josh Jacobs. So thank you, Chris, for your thoughts. Next, we hear from Raider Rain at Raider Rain. No name listed, but Raider Rain says, I don't understand trading Renfro. He's a typical wide receiver in McDaniel's system. It just shows they really have no idea what they're doing. Darren Waller, I understand trading because he's become brittle and seems a little soft and his contract doesn't equal his value. So a little shade being thrown there by uh, Raider Rain throwing some shade at Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniel saying that they have no idea what they're doing. Let's be patient. Let, let's see what they have. Uh, let's see what the plan is. We've got to give them another year here. We'll see what they come up with here in this offseason and in, 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 in this draft. 
I do have a couple more for you. Here is one from uh, David Kane, Twitter handle at David Kane Radio. He says, Waller is a beast, but doesn't play enough. Have to keep Hunter because we don't want our DBs to get Renfroed in the future. That one actually, that one made me laugh there, David, uh, with the reference to Hunter's route running ability. But all jokes aside, I mean, Renfro is a very good weapon to have in the red zone because of his ability to create space and separation. And that's something you have to have. So that is one of the things I really, really like about Hunter Renfro. And then finally, we have one more here from Sanjeet T. His Twitter handle is at Sanjeet underscore T. And what he says is, here's the thing. You win games with great players. So why trade yours away? The final four teams have one thing in common with the Raiders, and that is their offensive firepower. Let's get a good quarterback that will utilize those guys. So some really good comments there uh, from everyone, and I want to thank everyone who responded to the Twitter question of the week. Real quick, just a quick rebuttal to Sanjeet's comments. I do agree with you, Sanjeet, that, that all four of the teams playing in the conference championship games on Sunday do have offensive firepower, and, and the Raiders do have that, at least on paper. They had it last year. Um, didn't work out, but, but there are several things that the Raiders don't have in common with those teams as well. And it, number one, it's a top flight quarterback with the exception of the 49ers. I'm not ready to put Brock Purdy into that category, although he's really played lights out since he's been uh, put into the starting lineup. But the one other thing, or I should say two other things that these four teams have that the Raiders don't have is just a much more well-rounded roster with depth. You know, they have better offensive lines than the Raiders. They have better defenses than the Raiders. And, and that's what the Raiders need to do if they want to be able to compete. And if it means spreading the wealth, so to speak, moving on from an offensive weapon like Darren Waller to save you $12 million and then put that money towards someone on the defensive side of the ball, then I think that's a move that you have to consider. Now, that being said, there's two parts to this. Number one, you can make the trade. You can acquire the pick and you can save the money. But the other part of that is then you have to bring in the right offensive linemen. You have to put that draft pick towards the right defensive player, you know, so that it's not all for nothing. So, you know, it's not just as simple as making a trade, you know, and then and then saving some money. You have to use the assets received to improve the team. So that's just some of my thoughts on that. But uh, I do appreciate everyone who uh, took part in the Twitter question of the week. It's time for me to step aside now. When I return, we're going to change the conversation to the NFL draft and the Senior Bowl that gets underway next week in Mobile, Alabama. Thor Nystrom will be with us to give us some of his thoughts on the Senior Bowl. And we also will ask him about some of the quarterback that will be available in the draft this year. Really looking forward to that conversation. You don't want to miss it. Coming right back here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Segment number two, Just Pod Baby. Glad to have you all here with me again this week. Please subscribe to the show. Anywhere you find podcasts, you can find Just Pod Baby. Make sure you're aboard. we got a lot of good stuff coming your way in the future here on the show. Let's get it going here, though, in segment number two. We're going to welcome in our guest now. We're going to preview the Senior Bowl, which is... Uh, getting underway next week. And we're also going to break down some of the quarterbacks who will be entering the draft that you're going to want to be familiar with now. 
Let's say hello to college football and NFL draft analyst for fantasypros.com, Thor Nystrom, kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time. Now, Thor, let's jump right into the conversation. I know you've been busy preparing for the Senior Bowl. I know you're going to be heading down there next week to take it all in. So let's start there with some of the conversation. Regardless of position, are there a couple of players that you're really excited to get a, a closer look at since the end of the season? And, and, and who do you believe could, could really help themselves out down there in Mobile with a good week at the Senior Bowl? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, but by position, you know, like I, I have some of my pet favorites and then there's, there's guys that you're watching for that you think could move up or move down. Um, you know, like at, at the quarterback position, if, if we're going to start there, one guy I'm keeping my eye on, cause I think it could go up, up or down for him, depending on how his process goes. I, I think he's in for a big week where scouts are going to be keeping an eye on him is Jaron Hall from BYU, a, a guy that, some people might disagree with me, but I don't think he's ever equal to some of his parts at BYU. I do agree that he has the physical tools on that. I agree with his fans, but for me, it's never really coalesced yet. Um, you could argue the circumstances maybe weren't as advantageous for him. For instance, is Zach Wilson, the guy he took over for. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him down at the Senior Bowl. But, um, you know, a couple of my pet favorites, uh, you know, Tajay Spears at, at running back, a kid I loved watching at Tulane. Uh, Tank Dell at, at Houston. I'm really interested to see him uh, at, at the Senior Bowl. You know, I, I, I imagine that they're going to try to jam him, uh, see how he does with that. You know, that that's the one thing you're you're curious about with his NFL evaluation. But uh, the the rest of the stuff with Tank Dell is just great. He changes directions about as good as any prospect you'll ever you'll ever see. I mean, certainly in college football, it was like a cheat code with that. But obviously, a very undersized receiver. So it's going to be really interesting to see Tank Dell go up against some some better competition, but he cooked everybody when he was at Houston, including the, the better competition he faced, the Power Five teams. He cooked Cincinnati with their their spectacular secondary the year that they went to the playoffs. So I, I'm interested to see him and um, guys at every position. But, yeah, very excited about next week. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts about the Senior Bowl is watching the one-on-one drills, especially with the offensive linemen going up against the D-linemen and the Raiders. They need help uh, in the trenches on both sides of the football. Let's start with some of the offensive linemen, though. Right uh, right tackle, guard, both guard positions. The Las Vegas could use both. Uh, give us a name or two who Raider fans should be watching closely uh, down at the Senior Bowl. Well, one guy uh, that, that it, it's a big week for him. Some teams are going to view him as a right tackle, the position he played in college. Some others are going to view him as a convert to guard, uh, but he could be a guy that the Raiders have their eye on. Is a kid from Old Dominion. I think I'm going to say his his name right, but Nick Seldavery uh, from Old Dominion, a kid who is really really good at that lower level of the FBS, um, specifically in pass pro, and he's really really technically sound. Which is a difference between him and some other kids that are there, like. Uh, for instance, the kid from Maryland, uh, Jalen Duncan, is basically the opposite. Uh, even though Duncan played a lot, like he's just sort of like this amalgamation of like really good athletic tools, but it hasn't completely come together for him yet because his technique isn't good. Uh, Saldaveri, like th- there's no question that he knows what he's doing, um, and and like the lower half is always married to the upper half. The shuffle's always there. That he times the punch as well, everything like that. Um, but you, you question the length a little bit. And in the run-blocking game, it, that's the thing that he struggles with a little bit more. The polish in, in pass pro is great. Uh, he erased everyone that he faced off against at Old Dominion. 
Uh, but in like, you know, it's stuff like getting to the second level, he, like his accuracy was just strangely off at that at, at, at the, the, the lower division. Like he didn't take people up for instance, like a guy like Cody mock, um, Cody mock, the NDSU kid, uh, who also played tackle, um, Cody mock. He's, he's probably also a convert to guard at the next level, but Cody mock, you watch his film. He just wiped all linebackers on the second level, almost at will. But Saldaveri, even though, like, the rest of his game you really like, for whatever reason he struggles getting out to the second level, his accuracy hitting those guys and stuff like that, uh, just finding them and stuff like that, converting the block. Um, and, and then just overall in, in, in the run game, doesn't move people as well. Um, but he, he would be a guy to, to potentially keep an eye on if you're confident in your read of how he's going to project to the next level. And I guess I'd talk, toss out Mock, too, I, I guess, since I just hit on him. Seems like a Raiders kind of a guy. He's got the, the long, flowing red hair. Enormous <laughs> personality. I, I feel like he's going to be one of the stars of the pre-draft process. Like, he, he had all these different first down celebrations in Fargo that really endeared him to fans. Um, he, he's, he's sort of like... Um, the, the kid that came out of the, the D3 Minnesota school a couple couple years ago, uh, what was his name, Ben Barch, uh, where, where he was sort of the darling of that pre-draft process because uh, at the combine he was talking about, like, this this ridiculous, like, 3,000-calorie shake that he drank <laughs> twice a day when he was at uh, St. John's or wherever he went uh, so that he could gain all this weight to make the NFL. Um, Cody Mock has an enormous personality like that. Um, and, and he's a guy that, you know, like I said before, he's probably going to kick inside um, at, at the next level. He came to NDSU. Two interesting facts. First of all, as a walk-on, but second of all, as a tight end. And NDSU just has this vaunted strength and conditioning program around the nation. Um, I mean, just period. Not just for an FCS program, but period. And, and Cody Mock is another success story from that. A guy that put on 80 pounds while he was there retain the athleticism moves extremely well. I mentioned before that he's really good getting up to the second level. Um, the, the play strength is the one thing that you question with him, but as a, um, you know, especially in his zone system, but I, I, I think he could probably swing either way. Um, you know, as, as far as scheme goes as a guard, but I think specifically zone teams are going to be more interested in him as an interior lineman. Our guest this week is Thor Nystrom, college football and NFL draft analyst for FantasyPros.com, getting us set up for the Senior Bowl next week. Let's let's jump into some of the quarterbacks now. Um, the Raiders have, as you know, the Raiders are moving on from quarterback Derek Carr. They do hold the seventh overall pick in the draft, and many expect the pick to be a quarterback. Help us get to know some of these guys a little bit better. Let's start with C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Tell us some of the things that you like about him, maybe some of the things that you, you don't like about him so much. Well, what you like about him is he's really polished in the pocket. And he, I mean, almost frustratingly so, he, he sort of adhered to this idea of, I'm going to stay in the pocket and I'm going to win from the pocket. And, I mean, a part of it was because it was sort, it sort of behooved him. It was, it, you know, like it was his prerogative to do so because he was always working with these insane receivers. You know, th- there was the one year where he had four first-round receivers. I mean, potentially if, if Smith and Jigba's one because – Jamison Williams had to book it out of town in order to get playing time, which is just crazy in and of itself. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but like every single, you know, and then those, you know, those guys, you know, Olave left, Wilson left, and then Smith and Jacob was injured this season, and you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you had Harrison Jr. that that emerged, and Buka emerged, um, and then Fleming to a lesser degree, et cetera. He was always working with just insane receivers, but like 
you didn't see him move out of the pocket as much. We finally got to see it against Georgia, which was really cool. Like him being able to show that he could, you know, not only move off the spot, he could make uh, flashbang decisions off the spot. He could throw on the run, but he could also sort of steal yards outside of the pocket. Um, like that, for me, that was like a, a valuable thing because, like the rest of his career, you actually didn't see it. He just stood in the pocket, and it was like there there were games where it was like CJ, you can you can actually run here. Like there's there's you know 15 open yards right in front of you, um, but like that's the stuff you like. The the stuff that you're you're curious about is you know the system was giving him production, you know it was scheming him looks, and you know that he was working again with some of the most insane receiving talent of literally any quarterback that's ever entered the NFL. Like even the Ohio state quarterbacks of the past where like, it's become a thing now where it's like, Oh, so many of these guys who have come out of there have busted. Those guys didn't work with the receiving talent that he did. So like there, there is reason to question it on, on those different fronts. I don't like him as much as I like Bryce young. He's bigger than Bryce young. Um, he, he does have arm talent and everything like that, but he doesn't have the anticipation of Bryce Young. And he's never had to work through the adversity of Bryce Young, and he's never excelled through the adversity uh, while doing so that, 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 that Bryce Young did. Bryce Young, before this past season, he played with the ridiculous talent that C.J. Stroud you know, always did, but this season was not the same. And I feel like a lot of like people from the outside looking at like casual NFL fans that like, don't watch college football and they're like, you know, you know, getting introduced to these guys for the first time, they're just going to assume that it's like an apples to apples thing between Young and Stroud. Maybe it was before this past season. Uh, last season, certainly not. Uh, 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 Bryce Young, his offensive line was way down, and his receiving core fell off an absolute shelf. Uh, Alabama had missed on some receiving recruits, number one, and then they tried to take a swing on some transfer portal receivers to replace the guys that are left in the draft. They swung and missed on those guys, too. Uh, got very little produ- – like, a couple of them didn't even really play at all, like Tyler Harrell, um, who has summarily left the program, but he, he barely even saw the field, was injured for most of the year, and I'm, I'm not sure what else is going on there. Jermaine Burton, who they had gotten from Georgia, greatly underwhelmed. Th- there was all sorts of weird stuff going on with that receiving court, and it stunk. They dropped all kinds of balls. I, you know, and I was watching the whole season. They weren't getting separation either. So, like, if I was the quarterback of Alabama this year, I would have been super-duper frustrated. And yet Bryce Young continued to play at a very, very good level and put balls on the hands of receivers that a lot of times didn't deserve it. And a lot of times it was these anticipatory throws where the receiver did not have separation at the time when the ball was thrown. T.J. Stroud never had to contend with that stuff because the his receivers were always cooking him. Yeah, like, C.J. Stroud always had multiple options every single time he dropped back. So, uh, you know, for, for me, it's young. I understand that the questions people have about his size. It's a little bit unprecedented. Um, but, like, when Kyler came out, that was unprecedented. And, and for me, that's when I was afraid about that because I'd never seen that before. Um, in, in hindsight, I wish I, w- I had rated Kyler higher. And I'm not going to fall into that trap again of discounting a, a kid at that position because of his size. I think Bryce Young is special. He's going to be my top-ranked player on the board. Yeah, I think it's interesting your take on, um, you know, Stroud playing within that Ohio State system around all the talent, which, you know, to be fair, has not produced a lot of big time NFL quarterbacks. And that that would be the one thing that would make me hesitant uh, as a Raiders fan if they did 
end up drafting him. Um, I, I do want to move on. I want to ask you about Will Levis. A lot of mixed reviews out there about him. Didn't necessarily have the final season at Kentucky that people would have liked to have seen from him, but it, but it, you know, it hasn't seemed to really have affected his his draft stock based on what I've been reading. Where do you stand on Will Levis and, and what he brings to the table? I I would definitely have him behind Bryce Young. Um, after that is is where it becomes more of a debate. I'm probably going to have Stroud above him, but uh, you know I'll probably have Levis at three. I, I think you could debate Levis against uh, Richardson as well because Richardson is just a shoot the moon option. Um, and 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 Richardson, he's got the tools over all these different guys. So if you want to make the tools argument, like with Levis, Levis ain't beating Richardson in that specific argument. But like uh, Levis, his play badly fell off this year, and people are giving him this caveat of, well, yeah, but his supporting cast stunk. To which I say, fair enough. But the year before, his supporting cast was really, really good. And, like, that's another, you know, piece of context that I don't think, like, most people out there are going to understand. The year before, Kentucky was actually really good on offense. Wandale Robinson is, is the name that most NFL fans know. But they had three other, three or four other NFL guys on the offensive line. Like, Kentucky had a top 10 national offensive line that year. Um, they had a couple other receivers uh, that tight end got a look. Uh, and they also had Chris Rodriguez, who was uh, at the Senior Bowl this, this coming week. So, and he played a full season, um, you know, th- th- this season that they had lost most of the guys in the offensive line, obviously Wandale had gone to the NFL and Chris Rodriguez was suspended for the first month of this season. So obviously the, the offensive talent went way down, but like Levis's play fell off an absolute shelf. And the things that you were already concerned about, they came to the fore. Things like decision-making, uh, he gets fooled really easily by exotic coverages like more so than the other top quarterback prospects, he'll just throw a, a ball into a safety's chest plate. Like if he just gets fooled, um, you don't see that with Bryce Young, for instance. Um, and then just accurate, like normal accuracy things, you know, where, where it's, it's not a thing of like the enemy is at the gate. Like sometimes he'll just be errant when his feet are set and just throwing the ball. Now I, I get that he has a howitzer for an arm and, you know, he, he looks great on those, those YouTube videos they put out and all that sort of stuff. And, he has a big charismatic personality and everything like that. It's going to be easy to talk yourself into him. But some of these things on the field are a little bit more concerning for me than, for instance, Bryce Young, even though physically leave his doors him. Yeah. You know, he's going to be a guy that should really crush this, this, you know, draft season with the pro days. He's going to look great in all those, you know, combine drills and all that. But again, I, I agree with you. I think that was a really good assessment of, of Will Levis. Um, last one I have for you with the quarterbacks. As you look at the quarterback class as a whole, out, outside the the top three or four guys, which we've already mentioned, Bryce Young, Levis, uh, Stroud, and you, you touched on Richardson a bit there, which quarterback do you think could, could be had in, in the mid-rounds and that could be de- developed into eventually a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I mean, th- th- there's a couple uh, potentially. Tanner McKee is is one of them for me, um, just in that he has the physical ability, and I know he was in a terrible college situation. I don't know what happened to David Shaw the past three or four years, and I also <laughs> I also don't know why NFL franchises are considering him for a head coach after what happened the, the three or four head uh, past years or whatever, but. The offensive system there, in in particular, the whole thing just cratered around them, uh, around Tanner McKee. That kid's got a big league arm, and on his best reps, 
he looks like a first rounder all day. I mean, he looks like a top ten pick all day. There, there are other reps where it doesn't look as good. But again, his situation was always terrible. If, if you want to give a kid like Will Levis all these different excuses for whenever his play got bad, why aren't you going to do it on a kid like Tanner McKee? Like is is my question. A kid who his entire career the circumstances were against him, he was always facing better opponents. Um, so the, he he would be one, you know, as far as an underclassman that you know that that I would toss out. Jaron Hall's a kid that that like I'm not as high on as some, but again, like I was mentioning before, I do concede the physical ability is there. Can somebody unlock that? If they do, you you basically have the like what the Browns thought they were getting in Johnny Manziel as far as like the starter kit. It's just in in a good kit, like in a, in a kid that's not gonna like paint outside the numbers and like he's gonna work for it. Um, you know, Jaron Hall came from a, a family of athletes former baseball player he has like the gun of a shortstop or a pitcher throws on the run very creative like he he's sort of a quarterback that like you associate with a dual sport type player um and and so like he needs the coaching and he needs sort of like consistency above him um but if he gets that at the next level he he would be someone uh that 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 i would say that about and i guess the last one i would toss out and this is another one where it might be dependent on the situation, but Hendon Hooker, um, there's a part of me that is sort of reticent about Hendon Hooker because it's, it's, it's easy for my logical brain to talk myself out of him. Um, a, a kid who is older than, you know, other, uh, other players than he was competing against, you know, cause he, he stuck around college for a bit kid who's coming off of an injury, a kid who I like played for an offensive play car the past couple of years that I believe is a top three play caller, offensive play caller in all of college football in Josh Heupel, a, a guy who made Drew Locke a millionaire. W- without Josh Heupel, Drew Locke never would have been considered the prospect that he was. And, and Drew Locke only got to play with him for one year. But that's why people for multiple years were like, Drew Locke's a first-round pick, was because of his freshman year playing with Josh Heupel, getting schemed all these open looks, et cetera. Um, but on the other side of it, there's a lot of things that Hen and Hooker does that are very impressive. And when you talk to the coaches that were around him, the, the teammates that were around him, everybody raves about him. And it's not just that. Uh, a, a high-end SEC coach uh, said that uh, privately that, that Hen and Hooker was the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, and, and we've talked about a couple other SEC quarterbacks. Um, extreme, you hear high praise about Hen and Hooker when you talk to people about Hendon Hooker, the people that are close to Hendon Hooker, whether it's the opponents, whether it's the people that are extremely close to him. Um, and, and you can't discount that stuff either. And so, you know, if, if he comes back, you, you, you know, I don't have access to his medicals. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, stuff like that. But, like, if, if you're comfortable with that kid's medicals, you know that if you bring him in, he's going to get along with his teammates, he's going to be a leader, he's going to work hard and everything like that. If you think he's a system fit, that's a kid that it would be hard to bet against as well. Wow, excellent stuff there, Thor. We, we thank you so much for the time and for your insight. Please make sure you go out there and give Thor a follow on Twitter. That's at ThorKU, and follow his work on FantasyPros.com. Thor, enjoy the Senior Bowl next week, and keep up all your great work. Hey, appreciate you. All right, good stuff there from Thor uh, from Fantasy Pros. Dot com. Nice guy. I asked him kind of last second to come on the show with me, and he really helped me out there. So 
Uh, Thor out in Minnesota, big Vikings fan, Thor, uh, but really good information there from him. And I, and I do plan to have some more guests on to break down the quarterbacks. We want to get as much information as we possibly can about these quarterbacks. All right, guys, another show in the books. Hope you enjoyed this one. Tune in again next week. We will discuss the Senior Bowl and some of the standouts from the week of practice. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games on Sunday. And until the next time, I am Evan Grote. Take care, everyone. And as always, just win, baby.